Hello, and welcome to our sixth episode of Word of Mouth, a podcast all about evangelization for evangelists and by evangelists. I'm your host, Michael Horn, today, and joining me in the studio today is Justin Klein. Justin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Um, Before we get started today, I just was wondering if you would be interested in sharing a little bit about your faith, just about uh, where you're from, uh, just a little bit about your background, just before we kind of delve into your story a little bit more deeply. Sure. Uh, St. Louis native. Um, I'm married to a beautiful woman named Yvonne. Uh, We have three children, uh, Colette. Augustine and Carolyn, and uh, we uh, we live uh, out in West County, St. Louis, and uh, are members at uh, St. Clement of Rome Parish. Okay, awesome. And Justin, where do you work currently? I work at Lexo Media. I'm the director of advertising for Lexo Media. Great, great. Well, Justin, it's a pleasure to be with you today, and as we'll just get started here, just to talk a little bit more about your faith journey, what's it been like so far? I I hate to break this to the audience, but 34 years old. I'm not going to say that's old. That's, uh, it's a ripe age, just one year older than Jesus. Uh, that's and right. So, well, I've, so, I've, I've made it past my right. crucifixion days. Exactly. So the rest should be uh, all downhill from here. Easy, right? That, that's right. So, so yeah, if, if you wouldn't mind, we could just talk a little bit about your faith journey thus far in life and just some encounters maybe that you've had with our Lord. Sure. Yeah. So um, for me, a little bit of background on me. I was, uh, I was born uh, you know, into a Catholic family. Um, mostly nominal Catholic for, you know, for the most part. Um, my grandmother, however, was very devout and, um, you know, made sure that, that my, uh, my mother and her siblings uh, went through parochial schools. And, uh, you know, to, to the best of her knowledge, that was the, the best way that she could see to ensure proper catechesis and that the faith would be uh, carried on in, in her uh, progeny. So I think that that was, that was her effort to, you know, uh, really reach for um, evangelization in, in, in her own family. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, most of my um, aunts and uncles and my, my mother uh, were born between the uh, early 50s and, uh, and late 60s. So uh, effectively, they were born into arguably the most tumultuous time in the church's history since uh, the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, right around the time of the Second Vatican Council, and uh, what what they experienced in terms of uh, catechesis was less than uh, desirable, uh, to say the least, uh, and they really did not uh, come up knowing the faith or embracing the faith for the most part. Um, my my mother, in, in particular, uh, does not identify as a, a Catholic anymore and hasn't for uh, a long time. Uh, so, you know, that's the, being raised in a household where, um, you know, we went to Mass with my grandmother or perhaps, uh, you know, on our own to... Uh, to, um, you know, mass as a family or something. Um, you know, my father was even more nominally Catholic. So if we were going, it was, you know, more of probably my mother's leading at that point early on in life. And then later on to the point where it, it, it wasn't really something that was done uh, very frequently unless I was going with my grandmother. And so I was basically raised, uh, you know, in, in church with my grandmother uh, we would go to uh, mass on Saturdays. She would take me uh, to pry me away from cartoons. She would bribe me with uh, uh, the promise of McDonald's after church uh, by hook or by crook, right? She, uh, she got me to mass, and uh, there, there would usually be a rosary thrown in after that. We would drive from St. Joseph's Manchester over to uh, St. Clair of Assisi in Ellisville and uh, pray the rosary there. So we'd, we'd hit the mass at, I think it was 7 or 8 a.m., and then we'd go hit the rosary right after. And then we'd get, get the McDonald's, and, and, you know, I'd be happy, and she'd be happy. And, we, you know, uh, it, was, it was a nice arrangement. Um, you know, looking back, I look fondly uh, upon those memories, though, and, and see them as incredibly instructive to my soul. 
Um, and even though they weren't cognitively instructive to me at the at that point, I really didn't know why we were doing this. It didn't it didn't make sense to me. Um, but nonetheless, the the ritual, um, the, the 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 meaning and the sacramental presence within the ritual, obviously, was was uh, very informative to my soul. And uh, I think that that was that was something that really left a a, a mark on my soul. Um, and something that I always looked for uh, in terms of my faith journey later on. So, um, you know, my family became Presbyterian uh, when we were, let's see, oh, I think I was about 11, and um, we stopped attending a Catholic church. And uh, at that point, we, um, you know, we, we had uh, really been faced with um, some, some hard questions by um, some evangelicals, you know, and that was uh, questions like, if you were to die tonight, and stand before God, and He asks you, "Why? Why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say?" Right? These are the uh, the cue questions from a program called Evangelism Explosion. Okay, <laughs> so we're talking about evangelism here. There, there's a uh, a Protestant uh, movement called Evangelism Explosion, or EE for short, uh, spread mostly in the uh, Southern Presbyterian and uh, some of the Southern Baptist movements as well. Uh, and you know, it's very effective. It, it it asks the right questions, which is good. And I think I learned a lot of strengths about evangelism from um, my time as uh, as a part of the Protestant community. Um, and I I really appreciate what, uh, the evangelism uh, techniques that I learned there. Um, but I also see some of the inherent flaws and some of the uh, almost trickiness, if you will, to it um, that I I don't really embrace as as a Catholic. Um, however. Uh, in answering those questions, it forced me to to really understand that I did not have a good grasp of um, what salvation meant. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was really the key point. So when we're talking about uh, an encounter with, with Christ and a conversion experience in particular, I'd say my first conversion was really realizing that I wasn't a good person. I wasn't as good as I thought I was. Um, the, the answer of, you know, I, I helped my mother with the groceries – um, you know, I, I've been kind to my grandmother or to my sister or all of those things. What about the times I didn't help my grandmother with the groceries? What about the times I wasn't kind to my sister? What about all of the acts I, I've committed that were not loving to my mother mm-hmm. or father or neighbor, etc.? right? So, you know, those have to be reckoned with. They have to be accounted for. Um, God is father, but God is also divine judge. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I learned very uh, critically in my, in my time uh, as a Protestant as well. As, and, and, you know, Calvin's emphasis on, on God as judge was a, a bit much, in my opinion. I, I think he focused a little bit too much on the judicial aspects of, say, Scripture. Um, as, a, as a trained lawyer, that makes sense that he would. Uh, you know, and, but I, I think that really comes a, across in the way that uh, the Reformed community that I was a part of viewed God. And, um, you know, I, I, I must say that, that there is a healthy aspect to that, though, that I brought into my Catholicism, that I really can, can help uh, balance out the God is just all loving, right? Mm-hmm. It, with, with God is, is a just lover. He loves us justly um, in the person of Christ, right? right. So, and, and, you know, justice and mercy meet in, in the divine moment on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that same, that same moment is being represented uh, in the Mass, and so what we're looking for, you know, when we're looking for salvation and conversion as, as uh, individuals who find themselves uh, surrounded by perhaps Protestants in the environment that they're in, um, or, or if, if they're in that community already, um, what, you know, what, what drives them to that is, is the, uh, the good thing that's driving them, I should say, is, is that they're looking to 
be right with God? And I, I really distinctly remember those questions helping me to understand I, I need to be right with God, and I need to know how to be right with God. And um, that was very important for me. Um, and so looking, you know, looking now, I must say that, that what I was really after was uh, the, the real genuine relationship with Jesus Christ that, that Protestants talked about. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I, I did find that through reading the scripture and through prayer and through community, um, you know, being in, in community with other Christians. Um, I certainly found that. Um, however, now as a Catholic, I found it all of that and more. I found Jesus present to me in the Eucharist. Um, you know, Jesus present to the world in the Eucharist. And that was the, really the culmination of what I was striving for then. And what my, my Pentecostal friends, uh, charismatic friends, have been striving for when they are looking for that, um, that you know, charismatic experience. They, they want a real presence of Jesus, something that is, is powerful and, and, and transformative. Uh, what, what more transformative uh, experience can one have than to be present when bread and wine are, are uh, elevated, their forms are elevated to be the very host of the creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and under such species, we, we partake of the divine nature, right, and become partakers in the divine nature, as, uh, you know, Peter tells us um, in the scripture. So I think that that, you know, that was very transformative for me in terms of a conversion experience was to first meet Jesus in the scripture and through prayer and through community, but then also meeting him in a deeper way in the sacraments. And that is really what drew me to uh, my reversion uh, to come back to the church. So that's sort of the long-winded uh, mm-hmm. roundabout answer to your question of the the uh, conversion experiences. I, I would really call it a twofold conversion experience. One was to, to come to know Jesus personally, and two, to know where to find him most perfectly and most um, – to, to know his home address sure. Sure. <laughs> present in, in, the, in, in, in orthodoxy within the Catholic Church. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Excellent. Perfect. Yeah, just a great, great response just about – yeah, you talked about asking those deep questions about how to be right with God. What is salvation? What is the meaning of divine justice? How do we reconcile that with God as Father and Judge? And so these deep questions kind of just lead us to – that moment where we're asking ourselves, where are we with God? And who is God? And what does it mean to have that direct relationship with him? And so I'm going to stick with the deep question for you now. Um, this is a really powerful question for some people, but what would you say is your mission, your your goal, or j- what is your dream in life? What, as For you as an individual, just on an individual level, as, as a Christian believer, what do you see as, ju- as your goal in life? Right. So I think for me, um, I have to say that my mission is to serve God through being a husband and through being a father, um, primarily. That is my primary mission. So I, I consider myself a family man. I, I love my wife. I love my children. Um, and may God bless us with many, many more years of, of happiness and, uh, and ministry. And, uh, you know, that's something that, that for me I put first in everything is, is their, their, their peace, their joy, um, their, their overall spiritual and physical and emotional health. Um, and that is something that, that I, I take very seriously um, and really try to, to cultivate a, an environment that um, they can thrive in. And, and I really see that as my mission is to, you know, um, continue building this family with my wife and to, uh, to raise children in the faith, children that know and love and revere uh, Jesus Christ uh, and his church 
and we'll, uh, we'll bring that good news to others and we'll uh, live that, embody that in, in all that they do, um, no, whether they're doctors or um, garbage men mm-hmm. uh, or, or priests or uh, an ascetic monk, uh, whatever, they, whatever line of work they end up in, that they will take Christ and make him present to that particular part of the world. The entire world is groaning in pains for redemption. Mm-hmm. And everyone needs to bring the healing sap of the gospel to whatever particular corner or recess of, of, of God's creation that they inhabit. The space that they inhabit is in need of redemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that is really our goal um, as, as parents, um, is, is to really help our children be equipped to be missionaries in whatever capacity that looks like for them. Um, it, because we view ourselves as, as missionaries to, to others, um, to really help um, redeem whatever uh, little bits that we can uh, as we go about our life. Yeah. Amen. You mentioned the importance of the domestic church, being a good husband, a good father, raising children that are open to missionary discipleship, to spreading the witness of the gospel, to spreading Christ's love around no matter what vocation they find themselves in, like you mentioned, as as extreme as it may be, a a religious vocation, priesthood, um, a secular job, um, anything that, that they feel called to, and just kind of bringing the gospel and bringing Jesus Christ into that. And I love that remark you made just about how how we were groaning as we long for that redemption. And, and it's so powerful just to understand that, that deep desire in our hearts for fulfillment, which is, can only be given to us by Jesus Christ. And, and that's Amen. so powerful for us. And so I, I just appreciate that so much. And so as you mentioned, as a husband and father, as a person trying to build a family, trying to foster the gospel, foster holiness within that family, what are some blessings and challenges that you've experienced? Right. So I, I think... Uh, interestingly enough, I think that the the blessings that we have and the challenges we have are really tied. Well, the the challenges are tied to the blessings, and the blessings are tied to the challenges. We'll just we'll, we'll put it that way. And I, I really think that that when you look at um, our story, my 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 story um, with with my wife, um, it's really been one of challenge for us. Um, it was it was challenging for us from the start. Um, we got the, the cart before the horse, so to speak, in terms of uh, our own relationship. We, um, we had a child out of wedlock, and um, I came into the church basically shortly after, and it was after the, uh, the conception of our child. And it, it was this very tumultuous time um, in, in really both of our lives for, for similar reasons, the same reason, but also different reasons. Um, and really just trying to decipher like, what all of this meant. Uh, for us, and so when when I when I look at our story, it really is one of faithfulness to calling, faithfulness to um, to being committed to redeeming this situation that we had created, and um, and when I look at that, I see that I see hope mm-hmm. because my my life uh, really up to that point. Um, but prior to my wife and I really working things out and, and moving towards marriage was really one of, of a lot of confusion and a lot of, um, a lot of despair and uh, hopelessness. And, you know, it was very confusing for me as a, as a, you know, newly reverted Catholic to be going through these experiences, knowing that, you know, we had created this ourselves, but nonetheless, it, I didn't feel blessed. I felt very. I felt almost accursed. I felt mm-hmm. felt as though the Lord had abandoned us, 
and and uh, you know here I am I'm home and no one else is home I felt alone uh, and looking back now though I see that the consolations that Jesus was carrying me through all the way um, were in a way you know tested and and I messed up I mean like plain and simple um, and but that's not the end of the story mm-hmm. because Jesus is is the he's the divine. Um, recreator as well as creator. <laughs> he can make all things new. He does make all things new in himself. And um, for him to be able to take our situation and to uh, make it new again was the most beautiful experience for us. So looking at that, our blessings have really come out of faithfulness um, to those challenges, to Jesus during the challenges, I should say. And, um, you know, looking looking. To the future, I, I, I see I see the same pattern really is that that those challenges it will bring blessings, um, but it's dependent upon our faithfulness to the call of Jesus in those challenges, and uh, I think that that that's really key is understanding that God has not in in those times of spiritual uh, desolation Jesus has not abandoned us. He is giving us time to grow. He's giving us moments to be faithful and, uh, and to really uh, test our faith in a way, not, not because he doesn't believe we have it, but to exercise it maybe would be a better word than test. Um, because I think when people think of test, they think, you know, someone doesn't know the answers and, and uh, you know, or, 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 you know, it's, it's really just a big almost game, like a quiz. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let's, let's see who knows the answers and who doesn't. But, you know, obviously with God, it's, it's, an, it's something, it's an exercise to strengthen. And uh, I think for, for um, me and my wife, I think that, that we both really see things in, in those terms, that, you know, challenges um, where, where faithfulness is found in times of challenge, blessings will be found as well as hope uh, for the future. So Great. Yeah. Great. And then finally, Justin, just a reflection that we ask each person just on evangelization, how do you define that term in a, in a world that's often really repulsed by it or afraid of it? A lot of people say, wow, that's a big word. I, I don't know if I can deal with that. Maybe that's, that's something that's just for Protestants, that's not for Catholics. Mm. Um, what, what are we, what are we uh, supposed to think about the word evangelization? What does that mean to you? Right. So for me, I would say it's, um, oh, so the, the, art of, the art of conversation is less about talking and more about listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been said, and I, I, I think that's spot on. Uh, so I think as Catholics, we need to be conversant with the world around us. Uh, we need to, to always um, hold on to our Catholic worldview, um, which is why it's so important to be formed in a Catholic worldview. Proper catechesis, proper um, evangelization starts really at home and uh, in the domestic church as well as in the local parish, helping, helping form people so that when they go out into the world, they have a basis. They have their horizon point, uh, their vantage point by which they look out at the world is is um, proper. It's uh, no different than someone flying a plane, right? If, if that if that horizon point, uh, the, the instrument in your plane is off, you're not going to fly that plane correctly. In, fl- in fact, you may be jeopardizing everyone's life in that plane. And um, it's, it's no different as, as Catholics. We have to have our, our instruments tuned correctly. Uh, so, and that, that really is our worldview, which should be informed by proper philosophy and theology, looking to engage the ideas of the world around us, because that's what they are. Actions come from 
from persons, from, from you know, sentient beings who think. And those thoughts often, especially in the modern era, are not their own. The thoughts are usually disseminated from some much higher levels um, of, of, you know, society. Um, you know, whether it be the, the church, uh, the academy, uh, the Masonic Lodge. It could be from, you know, a, a guy down the street who happens to be writing a book that's very influential in his local uh, community, right? The, these, these things are very important that we understand that ideas are powerful. And God knows this, uh, you know, but Satan knows this as well. And there are, there are many doctrines of demons, as, uh, as you know, the scripture teaches us about, that appeal to people's itchy ears. And the only thing that can really um, fight that is the sword of truth. And as Catholics, we have to have on the full armor of God, including the sword of truth. And I think people fear the sword of truth these days. They, in a subjective age, in the era we live in, people fear uh, in ga- breaking that sword out in order to cut through the lies and, and the, the heresies uh, that, that permeate um, the American landscape, uh, especially in, in the church. These things are, are here. Um, many of the popes at the, around the turn of the century were writing about this. Modernism is here, and we have to fight it. It has to, it has to be defeated, um, lest we compromise the faith and lose our very souls. Uh, so this is very important. And uh, looking, you know, looking at uh, evangelization, I think that, that the proper worldview um, is the only thing, it's the only remedy or antidote to uh, the, er- the erroneous worldviews around us. So w- when, when um, we speak to our neighbors and we, 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 we speak to them, we have to listen first so that the good conversation comes from listening. And so, you know, maybe 80, 90 percent of our conversation with the world should really be letting them speak so that we can really hear what it is that they believe. And then we can take the truth to them and, and help them to understand what they're missing if they're not Catholic, they're missing something. They're missing, they're missing a lot. And, and we can help them by, by bringing that truth of the gospel into a world filled with lies and, and help them to see that this is consistent. This is what will bring happiness into our lives. This is what is, is the, the fulfillment we're looking for. Um, this, this is what will help uh, in, an, in an age of wars and rumors of wars. This is what will help bring peace is the gospel, is the universal church, is, is, you know, all of us as one family of human beings being one family under Jesus Christ, true brothers and sisters, not just uh, human brothers and sisters, so to speak, in the human race, but true, uh, you know, mystical brothers and sisters in, in Jesus Christ. Perfect. Your answer is a great reminder for us all to just continue to be conversant, like you said, the importance of conversation, the importance of just dialoguing about faith and science, especially in the world today, about just different spheres of influence that are about us, and that just understanding that we must bring the gospel into those situations, that Christ has always called us to do that from the beginning, and that Paul was so skilled at it, just going through Greece and the different communities that he ministered to, just bringing the gospel into the cultures that we see, and just the diff- differences and different ideas, like you said, just being a person who listens, who hears the other side of the story, who understands and has a proper worldview, and you just mentioned just the importance, too, of studying our faith, not not necessarily being 
just professors or doctors of theology, but just understanding the importance of studying faith and and understanding how reason plays a role in our faith. And so it's just important for us to take steps to nourish our faith, to listen to the Sunday homily, to read Catholic articles um, on from good sources and use Catholic answers and Catholic radio and, and the, the avenues that are available to us just to study the faith and where the writings of the saints, just there's wisdom and a 2000 year treasure of history from our church that can really edify us and strengthen us as we attempt to evangelize. And so Justin's been so thorough and just wonderful in his answers today. And so we're going to omit the catechesis segment just because we touched on the importance of scripture. We touched on the importance of understanding a little bit more about salvation, redemption, the process of Jesus coming to make all things new in us, and just the beauty of the sacramentality of the church and the, the, the bread and wine that become for us the body and blood of Christ every Mass, and just the beauty of our Lord making himself present to us in physical signs. And so, Justin, as we wrap up today's session, I just uh, if someone's just tuning in right now in the middle of the segment, uh, what what are three things, three brief uh, tips or pieces of advice that you could give someone who's looking to evangelize a little bit more? What should they do? Sure. I think the, the first thing to do is to um, really listen. Listen to those around you. Understand the environment you're in. Uh, this is this is probably the biggest key as, as a witness to Jesus Christ is knowing your environment. Paul, St. Paul, was the greatest evangelist that the church has ever known you know, pretty much inarguably in my book. Um, the man uh, knew the Greek culture that he was a part of, and he took the gospel to them. He also knew the Jewish culture that he was a part of, which was Hellenized Jews, right? So like the, the, this was a, a, another subcategory of Greeks that he knew how to evangelize to as well. He could evangelize to any group of people because he, he listened, he paid attention, he had a keen eye and a keen ear, and he, as he said, became all things to all people. And I think that is important. If we, if we understand the people around us, we can be a chameleon for Christ. Mm-hmm. And that is really what we have to be able to do, is to, to listen, to take in, and to, to process through the, the worldview that we have as Catholics, and then help others to think through these issues from the Catholic worldview. And this is, this is the great challenge, is to help others put on different presuppositions. It's like a set of glasses, right? Mm-hmm. If, if I can just... I put on theirs as I listen to them, and I figure out why I can't see the world correctly through them, and then I help them to put on ours. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's through challenging presuppositions, through, through saying, okay, let's presuppose X, Y, and Z, truths of the Catholic faith, and then let's apply that to the world around us, right? If you can just get someone to do that for a conversation, a period of five or ten or an hour, right, Though, those moments, you, ha- you had someone thinking differently. Even if they leave and say, well, I'm going to continue to you know, adhere to the, the worldview that I, I stepped into this conversation with, they at least thought different for a small period of time because you had them presuppose something different. And they, they at least see that the world around them can look differently. Mm-hmm. And that is huge, that you have expanded someone's mind, uh, their soul, to the point where they're never going to be the same person again because they, they've seen reality from a different viewpoint. And I think that that is, that is really key. So listening, um, challenging, and then praying. Mm-hmm. I think that really praying for those around us is so important because we can do all of the hard work, but it's God who waters. Mm-hmm. Amen. 
listen, challenge, and pray. Great pieces of advice for us just to take away as we continue our mission of evangelizing, just listen to the, listening to the people that we see every day and just challenging our own views, just learning to think in different ways and encouraging others to kind of see the, the world from our view as well and, and entering into the mystery that is Christ who has come to save us all out of his love for us and just going deeper and just praying constantly, just receiving the sacrament, spending quiet time in prayer each day, going to the Lord, asking him for for guidance and wisdom and prudence in our day-to-day actions and our day-to-day decisions that we make. So this has been a wonderful episode of Word of Mouth. I'm your host, Michael Horn, again, and this is our guest, Justin Klein. May God bless you and praise be Jesus Christ, both now and forever. Amen. Amen.